0: A start on demand. on demand. Just when you think we're done with winter, we're not. Global weather specialist Mike Konkin is in Fargo because the weather in North Dakota has been particularly difficult. We'll continue our series on alcohol, uncorked, the dark side of drinking with reporter Diana Foxall taking a ride along with the Winnipeg Fire Paramedic Service and we will speak to an Indigenous leader on alcohol and its relationship with First Nations. And two idiots get caught on tape robbing a local vape shop. So the shop took that footage and made a hilarious play-by-play video. I'm Brett McGarry alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb and this is the Thursday, March 14th podcast for The Start. We turn our attention now to North Dakota, where we're joined live by global weather specialist Mike Konkin. Mr. Konkin, where are you today?
1: I'm in Fargo, North Dakota. Brad, how are you doing?
0: Doing okay. So what kind of weather situation are you dealing with?
1: Uh, Well, we don't have a huge storm over top of us right now, but we saw... Fargo was kind of on a line where we saw more rain than snow, actually. So through the better part of the evening last night and well into the overnight... Rain continued to fall. It was freezing rain for a little while, uh, and then it changed over to a little bit of snow. So we've got tons of puddles, actually, all throughout the Fargo area. There's big puddles all along the streets. Then after things kind of changed into snow a little bit, it's kind of frozen up on a lot of the cars. So there's not a ton of new snow that's here. There already was plenty. But, uh, yeah, the cars are nicely covered in ice, uh, a little layer of splattering all over the place. Uh, but, yeah, we don't have that limited visibility that we were looking forward to earlier. What we have more is an ice situation that would be causing difficulty for driving in this area. As you move a little bit further north where things stay just a little bit cooler, uh, there would be more snow that has fallen. So we were around, I saw one report early this morning of around 15 millimeters of rain falling and then a few centimeters of snow.
2: Well, we know we're watching the highways. They're still open in Manitoba as they head towards the border. Highway 75 is still open at least. But then once you hit the border, there's all sorts of closures on the roads Mm -hmm. in the the Dakotas and Minnesota. So I'm guessing it's because of that combination of of both the rain and snow making things a little bit slippery as they head out on the road.
1: Yeah, certainly. So depending on where you are, the conditions are going to be a little bit different. This is more of an ice situation that we have here around the Fargo area, and the winds are still expected to be quite strong. With northerly winds, with snow being further north of us, We'll likely see some blowing snow in this area as well, but it's likely the caked on ice that's going to be more of the factor for Fargo. By the time you get to Grand Forks, there was more snow that fell in that area, and some of the cameras around the highways have shown that there have been quite a bit in the way of blowing snow during the overnight hour. So a little bit further north of us, it's more blowing snow. We're going to be dealing with slippery conditions here in the Fargo area for quite a while. But there's already been plenty in the way of snowfall. All around me, there's uh, all around the hotel parking lot. There are massive snow drifts from all the snow that has accumulated already this year. And most of them are around six to eight feet. We did find some piles, though. Yesterday, that were a little bit closer to 15 feet and 20 feet. So there's lots of snow already in Fargo, and all of this, obviously, is going to be melting. So hopefully this 15 millimeters of rain, approximately, isn't is going to have too much of a negative impact when it comes to the flood forecasting down the road.
3: Mike, you're a man of the people when you're home here in Winnipeg. Uh, I'm guessing. Well, you... I do my best, Greg. Well, <laughs> I, I suspect your celebrity status isn't quite what it is in uh, Fargo as what it is at home. But were you out speaking to people yesterday? Like, what's the sense here in terms of concern toward flooding? And, and is there a consternation in the air, so to speak? Well, here in Fargo, it doesn't seem like flooding is as much
1: on their mind uh, long term. They knew that they, they were familiar with the storm that happened last week. There was around 15 centimeters that fell here in the Fargo area and that's probably a large reason why all of the piles of snow around every parking lot are just absolutely so high. This time around they're kind of just they're, they've just been bracing for this storm. It actually didn't look like it was going to be mostly rain. It was forecasted to have around 15 to 25 centimeters of snow with a little bit of ice. It ended up kind of being the reverse, more mostly rain uh, and then a little bit of snow. But they don't have a whole lot of concern for the flooding. We had somebody pull over uh, later in the day yesterday to talk to us while we were setting up for the six o'clock newscast. He didn't recognize the truck and the logo, so we said we were from Winnipeg uh, over in Manitoba and we're kind of following the storm. We're going to be looking towards the fl- uh, flood forecasting and He didn't seem as concerned about what the flooding situation was going to be here in the Fargo area. So perhaps that is more further north when uh, that moisture is going to accumulate a little bit more for them.
0: All right, Global Weather Specialist Mike Conkin joining us live this morning on The Start. We'll hear from Mike throughout the morning. Thank you, Mike. No problem, Brett.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't sound like no problem. (laughs) I thought he was being blown away
2: there, but yep, see you later, guys.
0: So yesterday morning, as I do every day, I try to update the 680 CJOB Instagram story with just kind of a look ahead at what we have coming up throughout the morning on the start, and then I share those slides to the Facebook story. But I noticed halfway through the morning that only a couple of them had gone to Facebook, even though Instagram said they had shared them to Facebook, so I didn't really know why they weren't working. And then in the afternoon, got home from work at around 1 o'clock, sat there from about 1.30 until 2.30 trying to post something on my page and then the CJOB page, and it kept failing. And I thought, what am I doing wrong here? Because Facebook was open, it was working, at least it appeared to be. And then I finally Googled Facebook. I just Googled Facebook, and I got all kinds <laughs> of hits, including the hashtag Facebook down. And then I learned it was affecting Instagram,
3: and it was affecting the WhatsApp messenger around but, the world. But Twitter was fine. Twitter was fine. See, those of us on Twitter were laughing at those of you on Instagram and Facebook, at least a little bit.
0: Yeah, well, I, I went to, to Twitter to find out afterward what was happening. So I was just curious to know, did it affect you or do you even care? And I suspect in this room it's going to go more towards <laughs> do you even care? Can like, I ask a dumb question?
4: Oh, my gosh. Yes. Do you not know what that, Facebook is? I do. <laughs> That's what I was coming. Well, <laughs> well, I, I, know, I know what Facebook is and I know what Instagram is, but what is a slide? Oh, a slide! Ugh. It's a,
0: it, when I when I put the update the six eighty CJB Instagram story. Each each picture sometimes is referred to as a slide. Okay. So it's like a slideshow. I
4: like to know what the kids are saying these days. <laughs> you,
3: you remember what, <laughs> those projectors? Remember when we used to go on the holidays when we were kids, Kelly, a and we'd invite the day. family over uh, and, and bore yeah. them with our slides. Yeah, yeah,
4: same idea. Okay, well, more Kelly, exciting you,
0: though. You yeah. refer to social media. What is it? Anti-social media? Or yeah, sometimes.
4: Yeah, I just you know with some of the crap that goes on there but uh, I'm on Twitter a lot Mm -hmm. Uh, Facebook I didn't even realize it was down to tell you the truth I go on every maybe once a week or something like that Mm -hmm. just to check and see what's going on but yeah
0: well and that's why I was curious to have this chat because Greg you're on Twitter
3: all the time how much do you use Facebook not very much in fact I've just switched phones in the last few months And I deleted Facebook and Facebook (laughs) Messenger off my old phone Mm -hmm. because I'm trying to – I'm still working between two phones. I can't get my hotmail to migrate to my new phone. Anyway, that's a whole other story. So I've actually been off Facebook for about five weeks or so. Do you find you're happier? Yes, much happier. (laughs) And But I – I realized I need to get in touch with my sister. She doesn't yeah. have a phone right now, and that was the only way yeah. I've been getting in touch with her is Facebook Messenger. So I had to give in and install Facebook Messenger on my new phone, and I didn't really want to do it, but here I am.
2: I didn't notice yesterday when I came in and you were—you said something about, were you one of the frustrated Facebook people or there's that Facebook outage, McNab? And I was like, what? And I was on – I feel like I was on it yesterday because I'm often checking for just news feeds and what people are saying and stuff like that. But I have been – when you mentioned it, I have been thinking a lot about getting rid of it
3: altogether. It's the only way I remember anybody's birthday. Does the messenger work without the Facebook app? No, I think I had to have put both yeah. back on. Because really I, I use the Messenger a lot.
4: Yeah, Messenger's
3: good. Yeah, and it's also, it's the only way I communicate with a lot of people long distance mm-hmm. that don't live right in the city. So uh,
4: th- th- We were introduced to the WhatsApp when we were down in Mexico. Yeah. Uh, and boy, I'll tell you, what a valuable uh, cute yeah. communication device that is. You know, especially when you're always worried about the mexican data charges that you can sometimes get slapped with okay uh, and so how does it circumvent that kelly well it it just like if you if you have wi-fi wherever you are you can communicate uh, and and uh it's just like have, texting. A, have a great conversation yeah but it, there's no charges to the people back home like there's not no surprises that way oh, i got gotcha. you can
2: also it allows you to link up with like if you sit, if you do a iphone message right. group Uh, you you can't keep a Samsung user in that. Like they just keep getting single messages when there's like 10 people on the chat. So if you do the WhatsApp, then no matter what kind of phone you have, All the messages from a a group chat get through.
3: We had a WhatsApp group with the people we were in Vegas with. Mm -hmm. And it was a great way to stay connected and everybody knew. And not have to give them your real phone number. It was (laughs) was fantastic. It was really the way to go. But hey, if we're talking about social media, real quick before we run down here, we were discussing yesterday, just before we went off air, the the passing of, of Randy Turner. And I follow hundreds of people, sports teams, news organizations, and I could not scroll more than two or three tweets last night without it being in reference to the now late, great Randy Turner. Absolutely mind-blowing, the tributes that have been flowing in from all over to Randy Turner last night. And it's still
4: happening this morning. Absolutely fantastic, Kelly. Yeah, it is. Yeah, And, uh, you know, one of the things that was suggested uh, yesterday was – uh, perhaps we could uh, take Randy's incredible tweets, turn them into a book, and mm-hmm. use that as a fundraiser for cancer care Manitoba. A coffee so I don't,
2: table book would be yeah, hilarious. I don't know, yeah,
4: I don't know what the ramifications would be, but certainly uh, something I'd like to uh, get together with people to follow up on.
3: Well, the, the author of three of the best coffee book, ta- uh, coffee table books about Winnipeg ever.
0: And again, uh, text message two four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. Somebody saying. Facebook was down, had no idea. If you're curious, go to Twitter. Was it did they
2: explain why? See,
0: it's Twitter. one of the one of the top trendings, Facebook down and Instagram down. You can get more information there. Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, we continue our series now, Loren on alcohol.
2: Almost every single year for the past five years, calls to Winnipeg Fire and Paramedics from people needing help because they've overindulged in some sort of substance, legal or illicit, have been on the rise. So crystal meth, which we know is a huge problem in Winnipeg, was the chief complaint in 15% of those calls to WFPS. But the bulk, some 75% of calls to first responders, and paramedic and fire services were all because of alcohol. Booze keeping crews busy around the clock. CGOB's Diana Foxall recently spent a Friday night riding along with WFPS to see firsthand the strain alcohol is putting on resources. Fire and the,
5: the emergency. Uh, what's the phone number of the
2: it's about 12:30 in the morning.
6: Uh, temperature minus 38 with a wind chill. This individual observes uh, somebody in their peripheral vision, uh, laying uh, on their back in the parking lot in the freezing
7: cold. We have an individual uh, under the influence of alcohol right now. He's erratic. He would be close cool, to hypothermic, uh, dressed in the manner in which he's dressed. He's refusing our assistance right now.
5: It's holding steady as Winnipeg's number one substance problem year in and year out. But alcohol calls are not just the purview of police dealing with unruly teens outside of bars. Often, it's fire paramedics getting sent out, with someone phoning in concerns for the well being of someone they've spotted outside. That can mean four, six, eight or more emergency responders attending to a single person who's under the influence, meaning they might not be available to take your call. It's a freezing cold Friday night in February, about 6 o'clock when we head out. I've got on two pairs of pants, a long-sleeve thermal top, a down jacket, and a massive winter parka, along with two pairs of gloves and two hats to combat the minus 27 degree weather. It didn't take long for the first call to come in—a middle-aged woman who wouldn't get out of a snowbank.
7: We have witness reports saying this person was outside for approximately an hour. Crews saw evidence of of alcohol use and it's cold out and this person wasn't dressed appropriately and they have been laying in the snowbank for an elongated period of time.
5: That's Assistant Fire Chief Jay Shaw. When we showed up there was a squad vehicle at the scene. A big red van with two people inside, at least one of whom is a fire paramedic. The woman who phoned 911 directed them to the backyard of the home in the Centennial neighborhood. Minutes later an ambulance showed up, another two people and the woman was safely brought into the vehicle and whisked to hospital. She's lucky. Shaw says the woman could have died if paramedics hadn't shown up.
7: Alcohol can mask the symptoms of hypothermia. Here's an example where alcohol is a contributing factor to the possibility and the risk of someone losing their life because it's so cold out.
5: It took four people to make sure the woman was okay, but sometimes they have to call in even more backup. Case in point, a few hours later, We're headed to Sargent in Maryland for a report of an intoxicated man on the bus.
7: Who has some abrasions and cuts on his face and is being a little bit aggressive so we also have the Winnipeg Police Service coming right now as well. He's refusing our assistance right now.
5: The trouble is, if paramedics find someone who needs help and they refuse, paramedics can't apprehend the person, even if it is for their own safety.
7: One of our firefighter paramedics has tried to do an assessment. This patient is refused. Uh, probably due to the the intoxication, but there are potentially some uh, some other injuries there due to the fact that the patient's refusing. We, for our own safety, we uh, we've called the Winnipeg Police Service to come and help us assist with this call.
5: Of course, not all alcohol calls result in hospitalization. Sometimes the person will end up spending the night sobering up at the Main Street Project, cut to a bar on North Main. A woman who is clearly unable to care for herself isn't leaving the establishment, and according to witnesses, she's very intoxicated.
6: The fire paramedic uh, just did a medical assessment, contacted the police. Police sent down one of their cadet units. Uh, they're going to try to make contact uh, with her home to try to get in touch with family.
5: Deputy Fire Chief Christian Schmidt says if the family doesn't pick up, that's when they get sent to the drunk tank to sober up. That call required a squad van and a cadet unit, a minimum of four people.
6: Okay,
5: tell me exactly what happened. Okay, are you at that location now? We head indoors to where 911 operators have been taking these calls and dispatching our crew, something they're doing more and more frequently. In 2014, there were an average of about 12 calls related to alcohol per day. In 2017, that figure increased to an average of 17 and a half calls a day. Alcohol hasn't been making the headlines like meth or fentanyl, but communications operator Ben Lennox says his phone rings more than three times as often for alcohol-related calls versus cases involving any other kind of drug.
7: Alcohol has been somewhat of a consistent factor within uh, those two separate uh, illicit drug epidemics. People don't appreciate the impact that alcohol is having.
5: And just like that, our crews head back out.
2: What a, like, I mean, think about the resources that are going out because somebody just drank too much and they're at the bar and can't get up or in a snowbank and can't get up.
3: I'm making some notes here and that's the first thing I wrote is the idea of how many people are involved in a call like this potentially and you can see how the system get overwhelmed. And, you know, we see that uh, change of number of calls. It's a 50% increase over five years. You you hear the percentage and you go, oh, it's a five percentage point. No, no, no. It went up 50% over the course of that half decade. It's a startling number. And once again, I think we see this as the passive drug, the one that isn't causing as many issues societally as, as some of the other drugs that we've been highlighting. It's obvious that, that this, is, this is the big problem in Winnipeg right now. Now
0: we want to talk about some bumbling fool's Passing, try to pass for crooks.
2: They didn't didn't pass. I don't know. I'm not going to argue what makes a good crook, but I'd say these two do not have a career, and that's a good thing for all of us. This Winnipeg Vape Shop, we've been telling you since yesterday, posted surveillance footage of a break-in. What made it great is that Flamingo Vape added a play-by-play of these crooks, and as of this morning, it's received hundreds of thousands of views. Here's a little listen.
1: Now, first of all, what kind of, idiot wears a high-visibility jacket to a robbery. Whatever happened to the classic all black? The man walks up to the glass display case and attempts to open it like it's a wooden crate. You have crowbars and a sledgehammer. Why not just smash the glass like you did everything else? He clearly doesn't understand how glass works as it ends up shattering all over him anyway. My favorite part about this was the fact that she was stealing empty boxes. The products are right there. Why would you steal the display box?
3: Okay, this isn't Tosh O or somebody on the outside looking in doing this play-by-play. These are the victims of this crime. I want to make that very, very clear. The shop lost about $2,000 worth of merchandise, and marketing manager Cam Roshan is hoping their funny spin on the video might help catch the thieves.
1: We we just couldn't stop laughing about it, and we decided, you know, well, we need to make a video about this just to get the word out, hopefully be able to find these people, but We thought we'd have some fun with it, make some jokes about them because... I mean, if you saw the footage, you just can't stop laughing at it.
0: And Cam was on with Hal Anderson afternoons yesterday at one thirty. You can listen to that chat in the audio vault at CJOB.com or go to 680CJOB's Instagram where you can find a link on our story to Hal's podcast. And uh, Flamingo, that's actually the shop that I go to, not this location. I go to the one on Osborne. Uh, it's one of many great shops in this Winnipeg, but I like Flamingo. So good for them for at least having a sense of humor and hopefully they can recover some of that stolen merchandise. If you
2: want to watch the video, you can go to CJOB.
0: Macling, McGarry, McNabb, in a moment we want to talk about gun crime in our city, but right now we go to a different city where Global Weather Specialist Mike Conkin, I suppose he's on loan from the news with Richard Cloutier and (laughs) Julie
1: Buckingham. Well, we get him now. We'd like to know how you're doing, Mike. I'm doing great, Laurent. Uh, it's early in the morning. I got up before the sunrise. Oh, everything's hunky-dory. How are you guys doing? Hunky-dory? <laughs> you don't hear that one very often. <laughs> I've only had a small cup of coffee today. <laughs> <laughs> well, you used to we do... that firing on all television. <laughs> <laughs> you used
2: to do the morning show years ago, but I suppose you have got back to your day side. But we appreciate you coming on so early with us today because we've been watching this storm. It's pretty blustery south of Winnipeg. I'm curious what things look like now in Fargo you mentioned rain.
1: Yeah so around uh, North Dakota there was a variety of conditions around Ellendale they had 30 centimeters of snow a little bit north of us Grand Forks had around five centimeters and here in Fargo we had essentially rain through the better part of the night with a little bit of snow so now that things have cooled off a little bit all well, that rain starting to freeze up and a lot of cars here are just kind of caked with ice so it's going to be certainly a scraper morning but the conditions here around the fargo area aren't so much for blowing snow it's going to be a very slippery drive but highways look to be closed from fargo all the way up to the canadian border uh, likely due to blowing snow and just the uh the threat of that continuing because with all the new snow that has fallen here around the area the winds are expected to stay strong all day so the blizzard warnings here south of the border are likely to stay in place until around midnight or even a little bit after that.
2: Are people fed up? Like, I'm fed up with this, and I'm just curious. If you hear about all the snow in Fargo, you mentioned 30 centimeters. That's a foot in one of the Dakota towns. I mean, are are you
1: seeing a lot of grumpy faces? Well, hold on, Laurent. It's early in the morning, so we're not going to do a whole lot of conversion here with uh, inches to centimeters. Uh, that's that's a lot. I've I've had to look that up on my phone a little bit more than I'd like to admit this morning. Uh, but yeah, they had uh, they had 20 centimeters of snow here over the weekend. So we didn't see much over the weekend. Sprague had 15 centimeters, uh, but they certainly had a very Large snow dumping here, and so every parking lot has huge snow drifts around six, eight feet, even 15, 20 feet if you find uh, a bigger parking lot. So there is a ton of snow. As for complaints early this morning, a lot of people were sleeping in around uh, the hotel, to be perfectly honest, but yeah, they have, uh, they're certainly dealing with their fair share of winter here uh, in Fargo.
3: Now, Mike, I wish I was down there with you because I'd take you out for lunch today and there'd be only one place I'd go and that would be Paradiso for some Mexican food. Are you a Mexican food guy? Tex-Mex sort of stuff?
1: Uh, oh, gosh, I love Mexican food. Okay. I uh, I would definitely go for that. It's It's Fortunate for you that uh, that we can't see each other today, Greg, because then you, you don't have to buy a whole bunch of Mexican food for us. I would have
3: zero problem with it. I'd I'd love to do that. You and Jordan, oh, uh, we go was and... there, Greg. I would take you out for a steak dinner. That's that's something that I would have loved to do for you
1: today, but unfortunately,
3: it's just it's just not in the cards. Darn it all! Anyway, if if we can have hunky dory, we can have darn it all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Global weather specialist Mike Konkin joining us live from Fargo, North Dakota this morning. Mike, thank you very much, sir.
1: Anytime, Brett.
0: MacLing, McGarry, and McNabb. Question of the day yesterday afternoon at CJOB.com brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first, you'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace at 204-832-6243. In lieu of the recent incidents with Boeing 737s, do you now worry more about the safety of flying? 58% say no. Accidents have always happened, but they are still extremely rare, while 42% say yes things seem to be getting worse. That's the final result from yesterday's question. We've just posted a new one at cjob.com, and we'll tell you about that shortly. But indeed, the grounding of the Boeing 737 MAX 8 and 9 in Canada has airlines scrambling.
2: And it's a number we were talking about this morning, Greg, that we couldn't believe. Air Canada alone says that type of plane, the MAX 8, carries up to 12,000 passengers in this country per day all over the world. So the impact of this grounding could be huge. Right now, Air Canada, along with WestJet, have agreed to waive any rebooking fees as they work to reschedule your flights. But the advice from travel experts like Claire Newell, pack your patience. Passengers at this stage of the game, uh, my advice is to wait until to see what the airline does for them. Basically, it's a priority basis. It's literally hour by hour. So if you're leaving on Sunday or Monday, um, don't be panicking. You'll be going, but the airline is dealing with everything in a priority basis. Do not call the airlines. The airlines are contacting passengers and travel agents.
3: Now, patients are great, but that doesn't mean things can get a little chaotic as dozens of nations and airlines around the world try to work through this ban. Taylor McPhee is with the Winnipeg Airport Authority. He joins us now. Good morning, Tyler. Good morning. Well, this is uh, a situation that I think a lot of us were anticipating over the last several days. One of the last MAX 8 jets landed in Winnipeg, one of the last in the sky in Canada. Uh, It landed here in Winnipeg. What is next? What are we seeing at the airport as we speak?
8: So we're we're doing pretty well at the airport right now. Uh, We see about 50 of these aircraft in a month. So to give you a a sense, it's about 1% or 2% of the total number of passenger aircraft we see. So uh, the max itself isn't having a huge impact at the airport as far as travel is. Uh, what we are going to see, though, I think over the coming days, is a bit of a ripple effect. So the airlines are going to look and see where they can uh, pick up some of that traffic. Uh, they're going to move their fleet around to to adjust. So that's where we'll start to see a, a ripple effect.
2: what could the impact be then? If I'm someone has a flight in the coming days, should I expect longer lines? As you know, people might show up and expect to get on a plane, but perhaps that's been rescheduled. What what's the expectation there? So
8: the best thing I think people can do is check in with their airline. Uh, You can always go to our website, waa.ca, to get the latest information on the the status of the flight. So that you can kind of avoid the the scenario where you show up at the airport, and your flight's been cancelled, or, uh, you know, you've been rebooked on something else. So if you stay in touch with the airline, that's really an important step.
3: So when we talk about the the cascading ramifications of this situation, Tyler, clearly, as you mentioned, this isn't just about taking this plane out of service because the airlines have dozens upon dozens of routes that they've got to now reprioritize. Does, does Winnipeg potentially get the short end of the stick here based on how many flights it has? What we know here in Winnipeg is
8: that we have a a really high load factor. So that's the the percentage of seats that are filled on the plane. So the the airlines know that there's a demand here. I mean, we we feel strongly that the market's underserved already. So uh, to pull back any traffic, I think we're going to see, you know, I think the airlines recognize that that Winnipeg is a market that uh, has really strong service levels. So I'm not anticipating we'll see a, a major impact.
0: What's the word in the aircraft that landed at the Winnipeg airport just yesterday morning coming in from Toronto, a WestJet flight, uh, and that that aircraft had to be grounded. uh, Is it stuck in Winnipeg?
8: So I'm not sure exactly what the airline's going to do with that plane there's a few different options for them they can uh, they can leave it here I, I believe they're being allowed to uh, ferry some of that aircraft around if necessary uh, to get it to the base so when they do come up with a, a plan to get these back into service uh, the aircraft are where they need to be to be able to um, you know if it's a software update or something like that 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 can all be done and and th- that aircraft can be mobilized again
2: you're sorting through the logistics of the Max Eight. In the meantime, we've got some snow falling. Any issues with the weather at the airport as as of now? No. So
8: so far, uh, so far, so good. Um, you know, we're uh, we're used to winter weather, so we didn't. Uh, it seems like maybe we didn't get quite as much as we anticipated of the snow, but the blowing snow always creates some unique
2: challenges as well. You have a new plow to tell us about that's going to be out today.
8: Yeah. So later today, we're actually uh, launching or demonstrating our new autonomous snow plow. So that's a uh, that's
0: an exciting day for the airport for sure. All right, Tyler McAfee with the Winnipeg Airport Authority joining us live on The Start on CJOB. Tyler, thank you very much, sir. All right, thank you. We continue now our series that we've been bringing to you this week, Uncorked, The Dark Side of Drinking. We want to thank everybody, by the way, who has provided us with their feedback and their stories Um, Email to brett at cjob.com, mackling at cjob.com, mcnab at cjob.com, as well as on text at 204-780-6868. And today, Loren, we're talking about the cost that alcohol brings to basically all of our aspects of society.
2: Well, we heard Diana Foxall with a great piece that uh, we're going to be playing again throughout the day. And you can also get it on our podcast when we post it, but about the idea that a single alcohol call can lead to four or six eight first responders, depending on the need there of that person. And then police also get involved at some point. Uh, it's still the largest, counts for the largest percentage of calls for the Winnipeg Fire Paramedic Service, some 75%. Then there's the dollar cost, which is just in the billions, they say, for all of Canada. And then there's the societal cost of how we all feel and, and what it, what it's doing to our families and in our homes. And to sort of get into more of the impact it's had on Winnipeg in the history, as well as the impact to our First Nations communities. We're joined by Damon Johnston. He's the president of the Aboriginal uh, Council and chair of the Addictions Foundation of Manitoba. Good morning, Damon. Good morning. This conversation has really opened my eyes this week about all the problems we have that are connected to alcohol. And in part, I'm not surprised. And in, in the other half of me goes, whoa, like, what are we talking about? This, for you... Is this what you hear every single day when it comes to one of the big issues on on the streets of Winnipeg and in the homes of Winnipeggers?
6: Oh, absolutely, and I see it because I live right on the outskirts of downtown and I work uh, in the Negan and Centre on Higgins Avenue, and so there, we know there's a, a lot of, uh, of activity by the people who are homeless in that area, right? And so, and then the Main Street Project is right there, so you, yeah, you're, it's right in your
3: face, yeah. You say Main Street, I think Mainstream. Uh, Brett was so brave to, to share his story with us yesterday, and that has resonated with a lot of folks. And Damon, you and I were speaking off air about the conversations that are created when someone like Brett is brave enough to share his story, whether it be on the air or gathered around a dinner table or a lunch table or just having coffee, just sharing your experience, it, it opens up and gives people... Permission to share their experiences as well, and it breaks down barriers in a magical way, in my mind.
6: Yeah, and it's essential, I think, that you know, as Canadians, and no matter where we live in this amazing country, <laughs> that we're able to talk to each other about these things and we're sp- and start to get a little, maybe a little broader perspective for some of us on on in some of the latest thinking uh, approaches to dealing addressing these kinds of issues in our society, right? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, on that uh, note, uh, I'm you know as a lay person, I'm always trying to learn more about sure. these, these issues to be more effective in my role as the chair of the foundation, right? And then other work I do in the community that's very directly related to all of this. So uh, just yesterday, I was uh, the internet. I mean, it's it's right there. I mean, if you want to know something, if you want a different perspective, just Google. And it'll be right in your face, right? So I, I found this amazing uh, uh, article, and I didn't have a chance to finish reading it all, but I'm going to go back uh, tonight and do that. But it's on a site. I have to give them credit. It's called Verge dot com, and uh, basically, it's under the title of "No Native Americans Aren't Genetically More Susceptible to Alcoholism." And when you say Native Americans, you could say Native Canadians because you know we're we're interconnected uh, in a big way. Uh, And so, and then the other piece of it is, it's time to retire uh, the fire water fairy tale. Wow. And this uh, hit me right between the eyes. uh, And so, I, you know, if I can be very quickly, I'll just give you a couple of major points. So this is an article by a a woman uh, known as Maya Sazlavitz. So I got to give her credit. And um, she says, addictions is often described as an equal opportunity disease. It isn't. Uh, While well, anyone can become addicted under certain certain conditions, like most bullies, addiction re- prefers to hit people who are already hurting. The more trauma and social exclusion a child experiences, the greater the addictions risk. And so, and you could say uh, same, the same statement, a quarter of all Native Americans were separated from their parents and often their tribe
3: early in life. This is major trauma. So there's been this conception that that this has been a a genetic potentially disposition to, or predisposition to being alcoholic. We're talking about social ills as being the root cause, if I'm interpreting it the same way you are, I believe. Absolutely, absolutely. And so what
6: she goes on to say is this creates a vicious cycle. Addiction itself becomes a reason for more rejections, prejudice, and maltreatment.
2: Can you talk a bit about the narrative that has existed up until now? And I, I hear, if I'm hearing you right, you're trying to change the way we've described our past with alcohol. So, so far, what do you think the majority of Canadians or Manitobans have thought about the history and the connection of alcohol and First Nations?
6: Yeah, well, like I th- like she says, I mean, uh, it was kind of like you know we're we're uh, we're different in some way, you know what I mean? And uh, you know, some of it, it's you know. Well, look at, you know, we we know, we heard the phrase, uh, the drunken Indian, you know what I mean, so many times in our life, I have, you know what I mean? And that's not fair. I mean, we know that alcohol affects many of us in our society. And uh, it's just that some of it's more visible, you know, it's right there on the street. And so, one, we stereotype, you know what I mean? We're only human. I mean, who's perfect, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But can we get better? Absolutely. And I think we have to make that effort. Uh, and that you get better by actually learning fact, not fiction, right? And uh, science, uh, evidence-based uh, information about all of this is is growing every day. And so it's absolutely essential that we uh, who are leaders in 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 the field try to uh, encourage others to to learn more about it. You know what I mean and And you know all, I think there's very few Canadians that could say that there's not you know a member of their family. Uh, or or their friends or extended family that that haven't been uh, affected by some of this you know
2: I think you're right and I think we've heard from so many people this week from all corners of Winnipeg that shows that alcohol is not it's not a genetic predisposition for the First Nations community or there's there's different issues for different people but it's touching all corners and I mm-hmm. think that that is the we need to talk about the why as opposed to the, the, the how how we fix it too right like how it, we've we have a problem because of generations yeah. of issues with residential schools or the sixty scoop or all the rest.
6: Yeah, and myself, you know, in my roles, I'm, I'm excited right now because you know our province, Manitoba, and our government has uh, uh, you know entered this time of health transformation, and because I'm in the role I am, I get to see some of the uh, you know presentations that are made on the changes that are occurring, and I, I'm excited by all. I think. This is a real opportunity, the door is opening to some real positive change in our health system and we have to be fair and give that a chance. You know what I mean? Uh, some people think, well, it's only about saving money. Well, I mean, arguably, if if uh, a certain s- sector is eating up half of your budget, provincial budget, and it's growing every year and it appears to be out of control, we've got to do something, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? If we're doing the same old thing over and over again, in the system, in terms of the practice that we utilize to address different issues, and and we're not getting the outcomes we want, then doesn't that tell us something? We need to make some changes, right? So I, for one, in my role, am supporting this in every way I can, and I'm reaching out to, to my colleagues, uh, people I work with, and encouraging them to, to give it a chance, you know what I mean? Uh, I think it's, yeah, it's one of the Biggest things we're facing in a long time, and you know, you know, I don't want to pick on the downtown, but if you do go downtown, I mean, you will see, uh, and and in the greater downtown, like parts uh, where you go into the North End, and uh, but you know, you see, you drive around, you see people, uh, you know, uh, you know, panhandling for money in in everywhere now, right? So there's signals coming to us from our streets that suggests, you know, maybe we, we need to give us a little more attention, all of us, and 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 be prepared to support uh,
0: some change and some uh, effort to, to improve how we do things. Damon Johnston is president of the Aboriginal Council and chair of the Addictions Foundation of Manitoba. We're speaking with him in connection with our series, Uncorked, The Dark Side of Drinking. Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. We are continuing our series on alcohol. Earlier, we heard from Diana Foxall, who went on a ride-along with Winnipeg Fire Paramedic Service. We're talking today about the cost of alcohol as it relates to our society. And in studio with us, we have Damon Johnston, who is president of the Aboriginal Council and chair of the Addictions Foundation of Manitoba. And Damon, we only have about four minutes here. Have you spoken with... Political leaders in our province on this topic.
6: Some of them, I've met, of course, with the minister of health, uh, and uh, you know, got some good conversation going with him. And uh, but I think now we need to push it up. So in that vein, I, I'd like to uh, invite the premier and the mayor uh, to join me, and uh, maybe uh, uh, and the chief of police, and maybe go for a walk uh, with the bear clan patrol and see firsthand, you know, what's going on and. Uh, bring some real attention to this because uh, I think we have an opportunity now. Uh, We've got a federal budget coming down next week. There's, uh, you know, there's been some attention by that government to Indigenous issues in Canada and uh, I'm sure uh, if we go with a collective voice, uh, there would be, I think, some willingness to make some more investment in this area. We heard in the provincial budget uh, that there's uh, been some additional uh, investment by the provincial government towards uh, mental health and addictions. And I must say there that these are co- often co-occurring circumstance, right? So that uh, that's a good thing now that I'm seeing in the health transformation that there's going to be a move to bring the two of those together in terms of programming and approach. So absolutely essential. Uh, these are good things. And so uh, we need to encourage uh, this
3: positive change and support it. You know? When reaching out for support in either one of the things you mentioned that you depicted as a correlation between addictions and mental wellness, when you are strong enough to ask for help and to reach out for services, it's imperative those services are available in either case. So how do we how do we make sure that when today's the day I want to stop drinking, that somebody's gonna be there to to help yeah. me on the other side.
6: Well I mean this again, you might say it's almost a no brainer. I mean, if you're having to send someone out of province for treatment, the cost is gonna go is going to be higher. And and then when, you know, you have some scale to these issues and the number of people that are, you know, addicted, uh, and it's not just alcohol, it's drugs as well. They're both we have a you know, a methamphetamine uh issue right now. It it's uh, it's incredible. Like only one out of ten meth addicts are uh you know uh, good outcomes for treatment. One in ten. That's pretty low, so we need to, you know, make some effort here. And so, uh, yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm hopeful at the moment. I'm work, you know, trying to do my part in my roles uh, to to push this forward. But we do need the support of our major leaders. And this morning, I'm going from here to a meeting with the mayor the Indigenous Advisory Circle, and I'll be carrying that message to him directly. And hopefully, uh, the premier may hear me, uh, the minister of health, and and perhaps he will take me up on my offer. Uh, but we'll keep, uh, you know, pushing at it and uh, each of us has to do our part and we need um, all Manitobans, Winnipegers to, to get behind this and, uh, you know, encourage uh, more, uh, more attention. More this, positive attention to all of it.
2: This might be a loaded question, Damon, but if people are listening out there and you have one thing you want them to hear when it comes to the perceptions or the stereotypes of addictions and just who it impacts in our Winnipeg community, what do you want them to, to hear from you today when it comes to stop putting a face to it because it's everyone's problem? What, what, what would you like to say? Yeah, i would just say this touches every uh, part
6: of our society, every, every, uh, all of the social strata. And this is about social policy in our country. And, you know, are we uh, are we learning from others? I mean, right now, two countries, Portugal and Australia, are seen as leading edge in addressing these issues, and they're having huge success. You know what I mean? So, you know, the world is getting smaller by the moment. We can draw good practice, good knowledge base from many places to improve our system. We just have to have the willingness to do it, right? And And I don't, you know... The ideology, whether you're conservative, whether you're liberal, whether you're NDP, this will hit anybody. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? We've got to, to uh, get some real focus on this. So.
0: Damon Johnston is president of the Aboriginal Council and chair of the Addictions Foundation of Manitoba, joining us live on the start for our series Uncorked, The Dark Side of Drinking. Damon, thank you for making the time to come see us. Thank you.
2: If you can't get to the cottage, which you obviously probably can't even drive there, just go inside and pretend you're around a fire. I like
3: that idea. Hey, zero. Is it just zero? Is it zero degrees or is it just zero? Zero Celsius. Zero Celsius. It's Yeah.
2: You can't yeah. say degrees because it's not... It's nothing. It's nothing.
3: It's neither hmm. melting nor freezing or it's both, I you suppose. you think I could
2: bring my own hot dogs to the... Uh show <laughs> like just start cooking on a if, they, if they're gonna have a barbecue or something set up right at the cottage show
3: i would imagine yeah just fire up a hot dog let's just, just bring a dozen. it dozen old country sausage yeah. wieners yeah. some buns like i love a barbecue of hot dog
2: our barbecue's trapped in this garage nice to this giant snowbank through this awful winter i just feel like if i can go somewhere and cook a nice barbecue hot dog i can
3: see my barbecue from my patio sure. door i you cannot get, get to get it, to it exactly. but i can see it Why can't you? It calls me.
2: That's a of snow on my deck. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So I'm going to go to the show, bring some hot dogs. If they don't want me to do that, they need to call me now.
0: Otherwise, McNabb's showing up. Marshmallows, too.
3: Marshmallows. I might even start a fire
2: in a very careful, safe manner.
3: (laughs) McNabb is just. Chomping at the back. Maybe I need to (laughs) phone the guys over at Lux Barbecue and say, can you guys shovel my deck so I can use my incredible barbecue, please? (laughs) Or could they roll one over here (laughs)
2: one day this week? We should invite them to roll in a barbecue. Yeah, I think Phil could help us
0: out there. That's a good idea. Mm-hmm. little spring, early spring barbecue. Like it.
2: Like I'm not asking for a high-end steak. We get that, right? Hot yeah. dog. Okay.
0: Hot dog I'm is done. good. Loren McNabb, ask and ye shall receive. You mentioned in our previous segment <laughs> that you felt like having barbecued hot dogs because you're tired of winter. You just want to stand by a barbecue and pretend at the very least that it feels like right. summer.
2: I was going to just go to the, is it the cottage show that's coming up? Right. And I was going to just stand by it. I was going to actually fire one up. No, I, no, I, you, I
3: threatened you, to. You got to turn up your expectations a little bit. Right. That's right. Our it? boys at Lux Barbecue. You just got to send out the word.
0: That's right. And oh, and by the way, Forte. Uh, who won the pass? Uh, the four pack of tickets to Cottage Country's Lake and Cabin Show.
1: Randy Penner.
0: Congratulations, Randy. That's happening at Red River Exhibition Place, March 22nd to 24th. So we're talking about that, and then Evan over at Lux Barbecue shoots me a text. Evan's an old friend. Uh, we have a mutual friend, Steve. Who, by the way, happy birthday, Steve. And Evan's at Lux Barbecue Company, LuxBBQ.ca. They're over on Keniston at 1290 Keniston, and he says, "Hey, we'll bring a grill over anytime." <laughs> so I said, really? "Really?" So, Greg, you went and checked on our management administration side. Yep. And what's uh, what? There, we guess what, we got What's,
3: cookin'? yeah. <laughs> what's cooking? Yeah. Hopefully, hot dogs, but okay, fine. is hopefully. A little bit of a pop-up barbecue. You've heard about these pop-up restaurants (laughs) and these these pop-up ventures all over Winnipeg. We might have our own pop-up barbecue on Monday. Forecast looks pretty good for Monday. We just have to get all the appropriate permissions. And then got to go to Costco and get some wieners and stuff. Or maybe go to food fair and get some old country sausage and get some steak. And, well... You'll have to be listening because uh, we might have to have a little bit of a fundraiser. W- w- don't worry, w- we got this sorted out.
0: And they're pitching. Evan says well, here's the idea we bring three grills. A pellet grill. Am I saying that right? A pellet mm-hmm. grill? You are. I I, I, I don't I'm, know. I'm I don't not know a barbecue person. Mm. I, I, I'm terrible at that I, stuff. I
2: still get scared to turn our barbecue on, so don't ask
0: me. <laughs> just I, singe off the I just eyebrows. feel like
2: it's going to go at any second. That's basically my theory. <laughs> don't so touch
0: what? the barbecue, <laughs> McNabb. <laughs> a charcoal grill, a gas grill, and we can grill a steak on each, and you guys can try each one. Oh. That sounds amazing. Dude. And then I said, and hot dogs for McNabb. So
2: we're waiting to hear. But, you know, some people, listener just texted in, why are you waiting to barbecue? You can barbecue all year round. Well, we know that. We just have a situation in our houses where their barbecues are not like ours is actually in the garage, but you have to roll it out. And there's a huge mound of snow on this one side now. And it's just been kind of like annoying to do Mm. or and too cold. Uh, and you you can't even get to your barbecue. No. It's not that you don't want to or that you wouldn't. It's calling
3: me. Uh, I used to barbecue uh, in the wintertime all the time. I just didn't move it close enough to the patio right. door. And so when we got all that snow in January, now it's like uh, Mount Everest between me and my barbecue. And so I just can only dream about it. <laughs>
0: So thank you very much to Evan and the guys at Lux Barbecue. We'll work on that and get back to you, and hopefully we'll have a barbecue right outside our studios here at 1440 Jack Blick, just north of Hudson's Bay at Polo Park. Meanwhile, a few hours south of Polo Park is one global weather specialist, Mike Konkin in Fargo, North Dakota. Hello once again, Mr. Conkin.
1: Hello, Brett. All that sounds delicious, other than the hot dog part, but the rest, really, really good. Sacrilege. Hang on, hang on. What? Before
2: we, I know that's important to talk about this storm, but you don't like hot dogs?
1: No, no, I'm, uh, I'm an adult. I actually like that kind,
3: of kind of the line. Oh, I, feel I feel like that's adult. the end of our conversation. Wow, I was going to invite you and everything on Monday, Konkin. Fine. I was going to do up a fancy little invitation, send it out to you. I don't think that's no. happening now.
1: Well, you know, that's a, well, if was going to be limited to just hot dogs, it's like, ah, oh, shucks, Greg. Well, you weren't
3: listening closely. We're going to have steak too, but uh, no steak for again. you. Oh, that, that is actually a that's, a, that's a shot. There we go. That would have been delightful. So what about down there? Is it delightful as uh, we make our way through the the morning? It feels as though that, you know, we're here, you're in Fargo, and all the bad weather is more or less in between the two of us.
1: Yeah, so it's uh, suboptimal conditions, certainly. We're starting to get some of that snow back here in the Fargo area. Most of the precipitation we got fell in the form of rain, so there's lots of puddles everywhere. And that is freezing up on the roads as we were driving uh, down the road just a few minutes ago. There was, a vehicle, there was a truck whose back tire was just spinning as it waited at an intersection. It was kind of weird to see. So there's lots of ice around here. The snow is kicking up again. And there's still more snow in the forecast. Not as much as what fell overnight. Over around Ellendale, there was close to 30 centimeters that fell there. Uh, Grand Forks had closer to five. We had approximately 15 millimeters of rain and then a few centimeters of snow. So still around two to five centimeters for a good chunk of North Dakota expected to fall today. And the winds are going to be staying quite strong all day long. So the blizzard warnings are that are in place south of the border. They are likely to stick around all day and into the evening and overnight hours.
0: How long are you staying there, Konkin?
1: Uh, good question. Uh, <laughs> the guy at the border said it could be an extended stay based on uh, what the storm is going to be. But we do expect to head back on Friday. That is, uh, that is our plan. So we'll do another day here in Fargo, probably move perhaps move to uh, Grand Forks, and then we'll make our, ba- our way back to beautiful Winnipeg.
2: All sorts of highways closed in North Dakota right now, none here in Winnipeg so far, but we've got some laid out conditions out there. You've been talking about uh, the concern for, you know, precipitation on the ground and flooding, but it does, it does it feel to you like people are too worried about that down
1: there? It doesn't seem like flooding is a major concern for folks at this point. Uh, there's there is a ton of snow in the parking lots. Polo Park, there are massive piles of snow that we are used to seeing. That pales in comparison to what you see in most parking lots here around Grand Forks. There is one that we are going to get a picture beside because it is absolutely enormous. It takes up most of the parking lot, and it has to be about 30 feet high. I don't even know how you shoot snow that far. There is a ton of precipitation here, and chances are with the rain, it's actually been packed down a little bit more. So folks... They've been dealing with a lot in the way of snow already this winter, but currently I wouldn't put the flood risk as being, or the flood concern, I should say, that people are expressing here in Fargo to be terribly high at this point.
3: Going to ride the Ferris wheel at Shields today, Conkin? <laughs> we're we're going to see. Uh, if we
1: can get some free time, that would be absolutely fantastic. I, w- I would ride the Ferris wheel. I think that would
3: be fun. No, no, you can't drive it. You've got to ride it. They, don't, they won't no, let they you touch the controls. <laughs> I'm happy to ride the Ferris wheel. As soon as they find out you don't like hot dogs, they're not going to let you do anything there. Let me tell you that. You can't
2: go, you can't go to a fair and not a have a dog. hot dog. Goodness
3: gracious. I can't believe you're sticking up for hot dogs.
1: I can't believe you're not.
0: <laughs> yeah, Mike. Again, oh, I'm an Mike. adult. <laughs> yeah. Go back to the
3: news with Rich and Julie. We've had enough of you. Yeah. Go hang out with the adults between four and seven.
1: <laughs> well, thanks for having me, guys, for this guest appearance. Appreciate Mike, it. <laughs> Mike
0: Conk and global weather specialist, apparently not a food specialist, uh, joining us live from Fargo, North Dakota. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think,